Hello, RP people, and welcome back to Roleplaying as Smart People, the podcast where we pretend to know what we're talking about when it comes to RPG systems, mechanics, rants, and dumb, well, news, and I totally screwed this up, but I'm <laughs> going with it. <that>. News <laughs> and dumb rants on topics <laughs> we have way overthought. <laughs> oh, my name is Santa, and we're off to a great start, and I'm glad you've also tuned in today. As always, joining me are Mr. Finder and Scott W. Say hello, guys. Hola. Hey, hey. Yeah. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about monsters. So, you know, good RPGs, movies, video games always have great monsters in them. And this episode, we'll be figuring out how to make them compelling, bring them to life, and even how to create your own. And also, most likely, talk about monsters we hate. But anyways, uh, from, it doesn't necessarily have to be from an RPG, but what is uh, your favorite monster and why? Uh, Scott, you want to start? Uh yeah sure oh man favorite damn man I really oh shit I know it's very specific I don't know man I really dig like the Yon T you know from old school D and D yeah uh, I just like the idea of, like serpent cults and snake cults and real weird demonic shit um there's a lot you can do with them you start connecting a lot of other monsters to them uh, a lot of cultish figures and you can have a really good time oh nice. And uh, Yanti, I'm trying to remember what are those words? Yeah, the, uh, the they have snake the people. yeah snake people. Ah, uh, gotcha. There's different versions of them as well. I mean, I, I really like the Yanti as well. Um, and hopefully, y'all be seeing more of them uh, in, in the future for some of the things that I have planned. But my favorite monster, I still like dragons. Dragons are just oh. awesome. Yeah. Nice. I mean, it's pretty basic, but uh, I think they're cool. No, they are cool. It's because people f- them up. They don't use dragons right, you know? What do they do I wrong agree. with them? Uh, because everyone thinks the f- dragons are going to sit there on the ground like it's your goddamn cat and just let it you beat the shit out of it. <laughs> the, dra- the dragon is essentially a, a f- 160th sword little bird, but instead of miniguns, it has goddamn fire. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And you, yeah, I mean, really, as a DM, if you as a GM, if you use a dragon, you should just keep, put your phone on uh, whatever music Spotify and start playing "Never Gonna Get It" and just destroy everybody. Never gonna get it. What that song from Tattoo? No, it's a song. Never gonna get it. Never gonna get it. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. We're very high energy night. today. <laughs> yeah, we're all very high energy today. I don't know what the reason is, but this is going to be know. Awesome fun. It's uh, a good topic. I mean, am I wrong? Tell no. me, you know. No, you're not wrong. Well, I, I was... think. Go ahead. I was going to say. I think the problem is it goes back to like some of the old first edition AD and D scenarios where you're in a dungeon and there's a room that there's no way this dragon got into. Mm-hmm. Which is why I think D&D has them, oh, well, dragons can polymorph. Well, of course you have to polymorph if you want to get them through this 10-foot right. door. Um, <laughs> yeah. And no exit to the outside world. And? So like the old school. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, and and what's the stupidest thing attached to the f-ing dragon in old school D&D? Do you remember what it is? Um, the chance of sleeping. Chance of being asleep when you find it. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a percentage chance attached to dragons, and it differs by uh, species. Yeah, but you can roll it, and the party can stumble upon this magnificent hyper predator asleep. 
Oh, completely off guard. You know, fifth edition changed it obviously, and they threw the lair abilities and all that. But yeah, old school D D, you could encounter a dragon asleep and just set to murder it. And then like even uh, Savage Worlds had a hard time with dragons because they're really tough. Like they are tough. You have to plan, but you can still one shot a dragon. But Savage Pathfinder fixes that with one little simple monster ability that is beautiful, and I will be using it as much as humanly possible for creatures like dragons and vampire lords and shit. So it's uh rich uh it's uh unstoppable, I think it's called, right? Where they can only suffer one wound at a time no matter how many wounds you do to them. That's it. Oh just, cool. Yeah, just one. So get <laughs> Yeah, that's that would make them intense. And I think that's it. It's just they're such powerful beings, but then it's like, oh yeah, these five adventures they yeah. could, they could take it down with minimal effort at depending on the dragon like level six level seven uh, ex- excuse me bards the archer <laughs> he used a black arrow and he shot the dragon one shot kill obviously it's in the literature <laughs> <laughs> and they, also, they also encountered a dragon one sleeping and two inside of a massive dungeon that it couldn't get out of well the other thing that i will say about archer though is Archer wasn't using a regular bow either, though. How dare you? How dare you? All right. All right we derail. We, we, we derail. <laughs> Dragons are pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> no, they're really cool. And I think like it's kind of hard to do them justice because you do want them to be these almost intimidating beings. But at the same time, you like to pretty much wrap everything in. Bubble wrap in a lot of games, but like... Yeah. Well, you th- a lot of people think of them as trophies, like like the old safari yeah. style shit, you know. I like uh Shadowrun's dragons just because they're pretty much yeah. like, yeah, they came back, but they're pretty much godlike. Don't mess with them. Yeah, yeah, I mean there's what one lives beneath Mount Shasta and controls, you know, corporations and the lives of elves and shit, for instance. Yeah. And then much. the other one became president. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, if you got such a powerful being, like I it sounds stupid, but like it's kind of badass for the setting. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. But well, um, it's like uh, Eberron's dragons are just the same way. You know, they're not to be trifled with. In fact, you can't even get to their island. The dragons choose when they when they meet you. And if you try uh-huh. to get to their island, it's surrounded. Uh, the island is uh, inhabited by these. Uh, I don't know, like cultists, human cultists who are very primitive. I don't know, all, all but rape cannibals is how it comes <laughs> off. <in the> <laughs> I gotta say, for me, mine's not actually like a D and D monster or from an RPG. But for me, I've always loved uh, from the movie Pumpkinhead that Pumpkinhead, oh, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Nice. and I, I I like creatures like that because at the end, like I think you could make something kind of cool with it if you wanted to try and bring it into an RPG. Because essentially, someone's seeking vengeance, so they damn their soul. And so this creature goes out and kills, but he doesn't realize that he's directly linked to it so that he gets the visions and he feels like he's like he sees them murdering them, uh, you know, the teenagers or whatever, which are usually delinquents. But um, you see and that guy, he ends up feeling remorse and trying to stop it. But it's like, how do you stop something that brutal? And yeah. in fact, I think the only way that you could stop it was he killed him. He shot himself, which ended up killing the monster, I think. Yeah, it's almost it. like having a, a Revenant 
as a as a as like like a living phylactery, right? Yeah. That you're yeah, you you've sold your soul and you've brought this thing back. Yeah, that'd be a yeah. cool adventure, actually. Yeah, it I'm would sure, be. Sure, sure, it's been it, done to death, but but it, not correctly. It, 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 uh, <laughs> In a mothership, I think. We're going to find out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe oh, I, we will. I have such terrible, terrible things planned for you guys. I've been watching Event Horizon and Alien. And, nice. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, I've been listening to the opposite. I've been listening to HFYs, where essentially it's for all from the alien's perspective and we're the monsters. <laughs> well, it, it, you know, that's... <laughs> that's not dissimilar from the old Alan Dean Foster novel. I want to say it's uh, it was a collection of short stories called With Friends Like These, where like Earth was almost designated as a no-fly zone for the entire universe because humans excelled at warfare, and so they uh, all the aliens avoided Earth because all we did all we wanted to do was fight. <laughs> so. I think this might go well into the segue to in the next topic, but what uh, what creates a compelling monster for you guys? Like when you watch either a movie or an, an RPG, there's like a monster that pops up and you're just like, God damn, and you just can't get enough of that one. For me, I like the monster, especially like in movies and stuff like that, yep. to have a purpose or a goal, meaning that the, the monsters that actually want something yeah, and are actively working against the players. Um, for me, that's where they become a lot of fun. When you, when you throw in a monster, like a, 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 the problem that I had with a lot of the D and D stuff back in the day, I didn't where I didn't even think about it, right? Because I was a kid, and this is oh, we're just going to go out and fight stuff. But really, there was a discussion I saw when we were talking about the Savage Worlds Pathfinder when they were getting ready to bring that out. People were like, well. There's just a lot of fighting that's there to whittle NP or to whittle the PC's HP down. We got to get their hit points, and it was a way to drain resources because, well, if they take damage, they now have to use their healing potions, and and it was to set them up for the fight with the big bad with a little bit of drama involved because they had to go through some of their resources to get to this big bad guy. Mm-hmm. So having monsters that are just there just to fight and to kill never does a whole lot for me. Yeah, it's a lot of fun beating stuff up and taking their stuff, right? I mean, I, I enjoy being a murder hobo as much as the next guy. Yeah, but but the the monsters or the villains that have always stood out to me are the ones that have a goal. They're actively working for a goal, and sometimes it forces the players or the the main characters to work with that guy that they are completely opposed to and then there are times when they they break away from it so to me that's uh where the fun really is is when you have these moral dilemmas and you can see that this is a a creature or a person or whatever that wants something and it's actively trying to get it yeah it makes a lot of sense and like monsters like that like do you have any uh good examples yeah, sure. If you've read the book Wizard's First Rule, mm-hmm. yeah, the the big bad guy Richard Rawl, and what's great about that monster is you get to see part of the story told through that character's eyes or that villain's eyes, and so you have this entire world that's afraid of Rawl, 
and I'm sorry, it's not Richard Raw. That's that's uh, somebody else. Never mind. But the the bad guy's name is Raw, right? He's he's yeah. the Dark and Raw. That's it, Dark and Raw. And when you get to see his perspective, you get to see how he does not view himself necessarily as the villain of his own story. He is this guy who's trying to do certain things that he feels are in his best interest and the best interest of the land. And everybody else just sees it as evil. And so being able to see how his mind is twisted, what he's doing um, was a lot of fun. And then of course you have the, the big uh, reveal at the end of everything that's happening. And there's a whole another level of terror that's in store for these characters because they've just scratched the, uh, the, the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. So dark and raw was a, and, and I use monster, even though he is technically a human. Um, but I still think a lot of the best monsters are human. Oh, that's cool. What about you, Scott? What's, uh, what makes a monster compelling for you? Yeah, that it's kind of the same thing, right? Like motive, uh, you have to have the right motive instead of just twirling your mustache and, you know, throwing people down on train tracks and shit. Um, that's just, that's that low level villainy, right? But a, a monster that is truly motivated, kind of like you were getting at finders, like they're motivated by concepts that can't be conceived of by anyone outside of, of their own psyche. Um, and even, even the people who follow them willingly still don't get the full picture. And you see some of those good examples of when the villains or those monster leaders just are you know, willing to kill their own um, because they don't get it. And they realize, like, hey, I got to shed dead weight. You know, you're, you're going to become a problem. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, those are probably the best. For me, I like the ones that are, like, from circumstances, they kind of became monsters. You know what I mean? Like, and I, this is going to go back to kind of like my obsession with like old school horror flicks. But like, if you look at Friday the 13th, the original one, the mother really became, although not a traditional oogie boogie monster, she became a monster just from the death of her son. And she ended up going pretty much insane and became monstrous in her own right. Or like you said, Pumpkinhead, where the person literally has to curse this person in order to get his vengeance and damn yourself. And at the same time, they like, they see everything that happens or uh, another one, uh, uh, Wishmaster, which <laughs> if anyone, yeah. I don't know if a lot of people know that one, <laughs> but that one, like that gin was absolutely terrifying and made some pretty damn good movies because he just, he would twist everything that would happen. And he like the other ones, he would have alternative goals, but he would essentially twist whatever the, whatever the, I guess the wisher was wanted and turn into something almost twisted. So if the person just wished for like for a ton of money, there was always a catch or there's one where the person's like, I just want to walk out of this prison cell. And he's like, okay, your wish is granted. And then the person like gets forced up and he slowly starts moving towards the jailhouse bars. And he literally just gets pushed through. Like he didn't, (laughs) he didn't actually say why. And like, that's kind of like the cause and effect kind of thing that I like where people are kind of bringing them, bringing it upon themselves or forced it or thrusted upon them. And those are the ones that I always find the most compelling because you can sympathize with them in some regards, sort of till they start murdering everyone. 
Yeah, well, that's the other half of the equation, right, besides motivation, is the willingness to commit and to execute. How, like, in your games, like, let's say basic monsters like goblins, kobolds, orcs, even the walking dead, and I'm going to throw aliens even in there. Mm. How do you make them unique and not just cannon fodder? Like, is there a way to make them feel more alive in the world instead of just enemies that are just being thrown in there and saying, hey, okay, you guys kill these things? Actually, I think, I, Scott, you kind of solved that question with our last game. but uh, so, so what do you, you... Go ahead and if you want to we want to talk a little bit about it, and then I'll tell you why and how that occurred. Okay, well... So when we're playing, we're playing actually Dungeon World, uh, and it ended up with Finder killing all of us. But uh, we went into this cave, went no, underground. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The the dice killed your characters. No, it's and and I I want I want to clarify. You all had your agency. My character did say you all can go to the witch. I'm going to go clean up cowards. this mess. So. Well, if you're swayed by being called a coward, that's on you, and that's still you exercising your agency. I am not the monster that takes agency. All right, get back to your story. Now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so when we got down there, there was one a big body of bodies, kobolds, which we actually didn't find out why there was a big body there. But as we went in there, the kobolds there, they had a shrine that led to this crypt, but like the kobolds in that game, they didn't feel like just like copy pasted. They seemed a little bit more, you know, fleshed out. Like they weren't just put there because, Hey, look, easy monster, low level creatures. Like, and how, how did you, how were you able to actually achieve that? Scott? All right. So for everybody who has not done so, they should read a really tiny article called Tucker's kobolds. Um, it's like a single page and to summarize Tucker's Kobolds, they were playing a fourth edition game. I believe it was. Yeah. Fourth edition D and D and a guy joined the group and they were fairly significantly leveled group and they're in this massive mega dungeon. And when he joined with a party, uh, they were in the middle of, pl of planning how to go, how to take a route, um, to where they need to get to. And this route was on the map of the table is very circuitous. And they kept running into like, shit, we can't go there. We can't do that because of this, because of that. This way is blocked. Um, and then he's like, so what are we going to do? Why don't we just go straight back? And they're like, because of the cobalts. So this party of high-level people had been terrified by their GM over what, they, what was referred to in the, in the, the, the article as Tucker's cobalts. The cobalts weren't there to be stupid and be slaughtered. The, the cobalts were there because if you read about cobalts, they tunnel, they're, they're, they're crafters, they're miners. And so they essentially had honeycombed murder holes throughout their environment, and they would just slaughter the shit out of the characters, and they would get they would harry them the entire distance they had to travel, whittling down their resources, whittling down you know hit points, healing potions, magic, all that jazz. And it had such an effect on them the first time the party had encountered them, they had been beaten so badly by these very low-level kobolds that they were actually planning and they were they would rather have gone back through like a chamber of like a lich or some nonsense than <laughs> face these kobolds. Yeah, that's it was crazy. And the guy who wrote the article, he was like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. 
<laughs> and so that's how you, you just yeah you it's cunning right you play to the monsters tropes and the or, or you know tags yeah uh, you know yeah just don't run them like an average monster in a dungeon like even with yours yeah. like i like the fact that like they had like the some of them ha- you like said they had some like religious iconography on mm-hmm. them they they almost seem to worship like without you saying that they worship but you could tell they had some sort of reason why they specifically had to be in that cave yeah 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 and i didn't get a chance to murder hole you guys whatsoever because the stupid druid turned into a stupid bear and ruined that part of the slaughterhouse that's fine oh the web thing (laughs) yeah well beyond that was essentially it was a tunnel of death that some of the ones that had retreated had gone to so <laughs> and then, and then finder, finder's paladin actually, you never found the other two. There were still two more that were missing that he was fighting, and they went around through that pool. And so I was going to have them come back. Um, in fact, when your character stepped at the top of it, I thought it would be maybe going a step too far. But when you made your last roll, and I think it was a five or a three, or you failed miserably, uh, and that was my first instinctual choice is to be like, hey, remember the fucking kobolds the paladin didn't kill? Well, they found you. <laughs> nice yeah yeah so you just can't be willing to not you can't be willing to like you gotta oh, sorry you can't be willing you have to be willing to take it to the extreme for what a monster will do even something they think is stupid is still cunning you know my dog is a dumbest bag of dicks but it's still like a, a predator right like the baby she's still a german shepherd so that wolf is still inside of her and she comes at me. We play fight with the other dog and her, and she'll grab me and yank me off my knees and try to take me down. And and she's playing, but you can see it. Like there's a moment where you know sometimes I'm like, oh, this switch is about to get flipped, and I'm about to go ten thousand years BC. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, would I want that dog to chase me down and tackle me? Hell no, man. She's fast as shit, and she's got sharp teeth, far sharper than I ever will. And it's just like I said, it's a simple, stupid dog, which in D anD D be a one hit die creature. Yeah. No, definitely true. Yeah. So that's how it happened. Yeah. That's how, that's how... <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for Wednesday. Oh God. <laughs> uh, to our listeners, we have a regular game on Wednesday where, in the last two sessions, I have died twice. Actually, no, that's not fair. I only had my arm ripped off and my chance of ever being a ranger in a town. Like yeah. a ranger, obsolete. <laughs> but yeah. Hey, let's talk about monster warning signs, speaking of the last session. Ooh, monster warning signs? Yeah, I mean, I oh, think... Oh, with the, yeah, the, the big with, dude. With, the... Yeah, with uh, the undead king thing or whatever. You know, the, the undead king that you guys had down there. Well, I think once we open up that giant crypt and you hear the words like welcome, I think that's a big (laughs) no-no. But, you know, unfortunately, our paladin was like, we we need to do it. And we're like, we can't let him die. Don't split the party. It's all good. And every time we get down there and then he flubs all of his rolls and I try and do something. And then I get my arm ripped off and our... You get your shield broken and then your torso cut in half as you die, and I'm at one health. Yeah. And the druid flubs his thing and gets rooted to the ground and ends up becoming the next lich because he took off the crown and put it on his own head in a moment of desperation. True statement. But, le- 
but so let me ask you guys this uh and this is just this is this will be fun uh yeah. <laughs> right so i in my opinion like i think it was fun you guys died yeah the, the he had a giant two-handed sword that had the messy tag and so if you know dungeon world that messy tag is fun for a GM when, when you take a oh, hard move hilarious. against the party when they fail miserably, which is just your dice. You guys suck. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I was able to take off limbs and shit. So it was amazing. Um, but I, I, I was a little concerned near the end that I was like, did I not? Like I don't. I will, you guys, if you well I, in person, I, I roll dice on the table. I don't ever fudge dice. I don't believe in it. I think it's the coward's way out. Yeah. Um, the planning. Well, then you're just stupid, and then you got to realize this shit just happens sometimes, even in real life. You know, people get killed that are superheroes in real life by the dumbest shit, right? So it just happens. Yeah. Um, but I think I still think that I planted the seeds of this is some dangerous, deadly shit you're undertaking at every step of the way. Oh, a hundred percent. Absolutely. Us, absolutely. You, okay. <laughs> you absolutely gave us ample opportunities to turn around with your things. Um, we just ignored every single one of them and followed through with our original plans. Um, yeah. Yeah. And clues behind too. And it's killing me inside. Like, and also all of us dying. Like I, I, I know I'm talking like I'm pissed off, but it was fun, and if none of us died, chances are I wouldn't be talking about it right now. It's because yeah. death in a series, like, and we, we've already come up with, like, although I don't think, I think we're doing something else, um, testing out another system for non-nefarious reasons. Um, uh, first, but we, we were even talking about, okay, well, why don't we just play that same world with the things, because the concept yeah. was neat but let's just yeah. flip it on its head to a different thing i'm like it's all i would love to come back to it i would I, yeah i definitely i don't mind at all yeah i have a whole thing in my head about that concept so yeah yeah anyway yeah, who knows okay yeah sorry i just <laughs> I, I thought it kind of fit with like how do you use a monster properly and you know ultimately know. is when the, when well, the players make bad decisions hey <laughs> well and, and you know part of that though goes back to what makes a great monster is when you know the characters and you can tailor tailor it <laughs> ah, tailor it to the characters. Yeah. And I don't know that Scott, I don't think you did that or, or not. But when you have a paladin and you have an evil and you know this paladin already thinks he's it, right? I mean, he, he's he's unstoppable. Yeah, he's of course he's going to go down. There. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's like. I, I I couldn't not do that. Um, yeah. Even though I fully knew that I am likely going to die on here. Um, but it was a hill my paladin was willing to die on. No, uh, it, it... So I, I just think when you can tailor it to the characters and, and up, you, you get that moral quandary for them, that, that to me is a lot of fun. Yeah, it was 100% designed around after we played the one session and I felt you guys out. I was like, oh, here's some of the challenges I want to do. Here's my 7-3-1 and, uh, for the area. And then um, some of my, my three-clue leads and shit for each of the different separate areas and separate folks you could talk to or whatever. But yeah, I knew right away that really what I wanted to capture at that moment was the philosophical exchange between you and the party members to see how they would yeah. handle the fact that you are ordained by what is a concept of right and wrong that very few people would hold. Not to mention when you're actually 
describing the the what what was it was it a lich or was it just like a extremely powerful undead but I wasn't even that powerful. He because it's dungeon world. I mean, dragons have sixteen hit points in dungeon world. For God's sakes. Yeah. So he just he was just an undead creature with a badass sword. He, I mean, you were in his domain and you entered his tomb, and yeah, you were going to suffer the consequences for that because that was his um his instincts are to guard his tomb and to slay all intruders. Yeah, no, it was it was a lot of fun though. I still think we could have gone. I still think we could have made it if our dice would have cooperated. My dice never cooperated yeah. in those moments. Yeah. Like, yeah. I got in a few hits, but the thing was, is like, whenever we were rolling damage, we were always rolling low. And whenever yep. he, whenever the monster got oh. to roll damage, he was like, it was like, what was it? A D4, a D, like two D4s was, and a D6 or some shit like that? No, it was, uh, I think his sword did uh, D10 or 2D10. It was a lot for Dungeon World, but you can take a lot more. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah, when the bear took away, when the, when the druid turned into the bear and bear snatched the f- sword, there was that brief moment where it was like, this is going to be a really, really fast fight. Yeah. And then the roll started <laughs> failing and I was like, oh, allow me to use my hard moves. Yeah, like I think you hit me for max, da- like nearly max damage, yeah. bringing me down to like one health. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? He's a monster. He's an undead lord, and his job was to instinctively guard his tomb. There's no way I'm pulling punches on any of you. And I went after you in the order of consequence that I felt he would have had to have addressed. Yeah. You know? Oh no, totally. It was it was it was a lot of fun. Um, but ca- since we're kind of on the topic now of bosses, yeah. what about the big bad monsters? How would you guys make? Uh, and we kind of discussed a little bit of this one with dragons already, but dragons, liches, you know, the floating balls with cornstalk guys. How would you flesh them out to give them their own personality to make the the session feel a little bit more unique? <laughs> For me, um, you know, I think it is about the personality. You think about the dragon, um, Smog, Smog, however you pronounce that name. Smog, goddammit. Uh, he <laughs> smog no i think it's smog i'm sure on amazon it will be smog so <laughs> but uh I, I i i like what tolkien did with with the dragon right i mean he didn't start off like wanting to kill everybody there was a conversation yeah right if, if i'm remembering everything correctly but um but i i think it's finding those quirks that you can bring out you think about like uh, I don't know if any of you have ever done the dungeon or the module. Um, oh man, what's it called? My mind's drawing a complete blank. What's it about? It's, Tell me. It's it's a subterranean lair where there's this tree, and you got uh, it's a bunch of kobolds fighting something else. Oh crap! Hang on. Yeah. It's anyway, a, from third edition, it was one of the earlier ones that came out. The uh, sunken citadel. Sunken citadel. Yes, that's that's it. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, yeah, the yeah. sunken citadel. There was a cobalt in there that mm-hmm. Meepo. took a life of its own. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Meepo is, is the cobalt that <laughs> was was a throwaway NPC for this adventure, but yeah. it, that that one cobalt, I, I think part of it is it had a name. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't just a generic cobalt, but it also had, um, there was a purpose that it was there. It, it had a little bit of personality and people just ran with it. And Meepo became this like cultural icon 
for a while to where you can still find me, even if I remember correctly, even in some of the later editions, Meepo gets mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he's just this cobalt that's taken a life of his own. And yeah. for me, that's what it is. When you can find that little piece that makes him, makes that creature different than all the other ones that the PCs have encountered, it becomes a memorable encounter. And they are also more inclined to, I think, not just immediately murder it. And so it's, it's, Given them, give them a name, give them um, some dialogue, uh, a, a chance to interact with the PCs, and that's yeah. the beginning of running uh, of creating this unique type monster. Yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah. you're not wrong. I mean, she, our group had Meepo follow along with us, like he joined us. You know, <laughs> yeah, he joined us as an NPC rogue, essentially. Uh, same same cool. with my with my group. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of although, although I will say my group was was split. I, like when I ran, I, I was running <laughs> with my kids. Half of my kids wanted to murder Meepo, and half of the kids wanted to to take him. So <laughs> they never they never ended up killing Meepo. But yeah. <laughs> uh, nice. but but like it's even just... within that one, even in the in that game, there was a stupid camel that they found in the middle of the desert. <laughs> and when when I introduced the camel. They immediately, like half of them, gravitated to him and said, "Ah, it's Samuel the Camuel," and he became like their favorite pack animal. That again, half of them wanted to murder him because they thought he was a spy, and <laughs> half of them were like, "No, Samuel has to survive." Oh so, my god, that's it, awesome! It's just funny. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Yeah, so you know, for the personality stuff, you're you're not really that that cannot be just understated right is that you, you got to underscore some of the stuff so i mentioned seven seven three one uh so for folks there's there's two things you can do for to give your actual villain and even some of the sub bosses and whatnot personalities so the seven three one is this concept that um oh, i forgot who came up with it you can google seven three one rpg concept whatever but you think of seven places or people and then you do three things about each of those seven things that are kind of true about them or how they, how, what they want, how they behave. And then one thing that makes them memorable. So I up that a little bit. So I'll pick a, uh, a main villain and I'll use the, uh, uh, I modify sort of interludes from Savage Worlds. And so I look at a villain and I think, okay, cool. Here's what they are. Uh, what kind of voice do I want them to have like personality wise and how do I want them to interact with the party? And so it's a lot of body language. It sucks online because you don't really get a lot of that. And then it's um, what do they want, what do they desire, what are they afraid of, and what are they willing to lose. So those are the four things I ask for all the, the main villains. So that will also give me dialogue options when I'm talking to the players and things to pick people up. And then I, the one thing they you know they can remember for is like a tagline, or you know like I said like a behavior, a twitch, anything going on, how their voice cracks at a certain word or they can't pronounce yeah. a certain word. Yeah. So if you do one or both of those things, you man, you can make a villain just. Or any character really come alive. Yeah, because you put those little nuances into them that make them seem a little bit more like flawed in some regards, or like you know vulnerable in others. Like you're you're making them seem realistic because like a lot of a lot of monsters, you just want it to be like I am the biggest baddest monster <laughs> in the world. But like at the, at the end of the day, it's like they may not see themselves even as a monster in the first place. They may just see themselves yeah. as you know. You know, it's, this is just what they do, and it's right. not their fault that's in their nature, or 
even like with liches where it's like they're always like oh they're just striving for more and more power and they do are evil because mohaha it's like <laughs> <laughs> i get that but if you have like a lich who almost had like you know how like in the prequels for star wars how anakin pretty much turned to the dark side because he wanted to try and mm-hmm. uh save what's her face and he thought yeah. he was doing the right thing so yeah like, and he ended up kind of dooming himself and making himself way crazy powerful but he's the kind of the doing a a uh, self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, he had the he had the dreams and he yeah. made them come true. Yeah, and like you could do something similar with a lich, where it's, they were really trying to do the right thing, but they just went all, went about it completely wrong, which right. kind of almost was their own undoing. Or in case of a lich, made him to made him into the undead monster that he is today. Well, that's the thing. A lot of these monsters, like liches, uh, illithids. Their intelligence levels are, you know, 180, 190, 200 plus IQs. So if the average dipshit can sit around and pick their nose and play Call of Duty and still think of things to do and to get into, what does someone with four times that intellect do? Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, liches aren't consumed with more power. They're consumed with more truth because they've already unlocked the greatest truth there is, and that's eternal life. Yeah. You know, it, come, it came with a price, but now there's so much more to learn about the universe, especially if you live in a world where there's multiple planes and multiple realities and string theory is absolutely 100% real. And it's just, yeah, the sky's the limit. You know, they're not yeah. going to, Illithids aren't going to sit around and just, you know, play yank the, te- yank the tentacle and shit and do nothing all day long and wait for you to come murder them. Oh, totally. Even um, with one of my favorite book series, The Black Company, all the wizards and like all the pretty much magic users with any considerable power. They they all kind of go a little insane, and it's because like at the end of the day, it's like they don't think think what they're doing is insane, and that's because they have nothing that's grounding them in reality. If you can yeah. alter reality to what you want it to be, then there would be no reason for you to ever think that reality really matters because you can just change it. Like yeah. how, let's say for what about monsters that maybe like terrorizing in a city like for instance like a werewolf in modern in a modern rural town or like a jack jack the ripper-esque monster in a victorian era game like how would you implant them in the game not only to terrify which is kind of what you want to maybe even disturb and even to make them feel kind of like they they're really out there to get you in a way how would you really try and portray that those feelings yeah i mean it's 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 just really more of the same right it's it's again it's the motivation it's personality watch a lot of serial killer shit i guess consume that uh you got to understand that they think differently you know they think i guess tangentially to how everyone else behaves Mm -hmm. um and irrational is rational um and then you'd have i would i mean if you're if you're kind of like terrorizing a town and whatnot you know it's because if you the examples are sort of like, hey, it's the monster, but you, we don't know who it is, right? Yeah. So that's where your like five by five campaign model comes into like, okay, well, the ultimate goal is to find the monster, but how do we do that? Well, we got to figure out, maybe you have like victims spread out and you need to get to it before the next victim. And here's a couple of interconnected adventures from, the, from each victim and say you got five victims uh or four victims and the last victim is goes is not dead yet and you play these out and you start drawing these thread lines and so 
you let everything connect and you never have a dead end, just a single clue to go to the next thing. You always give three clues and three different skill checks or three attribute checks or some, something out or even just give them the clue, which I think Finder's talked about before is, you know, sometimes you just got to hand a clue out and mm-hmm. they may not, you, but you don't have to say it's a clue. You don't need a clue by four. You just give out shit. Like I do you guys all the time. I'll give you guys things that you find and it's like, oh, okay, cool. It's a cool dagger. Oh, okay. Well, you know, or, you know. If you take yeah. it apart, if you were to take the handle off, inscribed on the the tang, are as an ancient spell binding a soul to the dagger, shit like that, right? Um, you know, the names of victims are inside the the, the wooden part of it, or the scales of the of the the hill. So little things like that, and that that's how I would run it until the party really felt they were coming to the culminating event, and we're starting to put shit together. And then you can't be afraid to. Uh, I guess it's like the reverse of the quantum ogre, right? Like the the ogre is going to be on the left room or the right room, no matter what the party chooses, which is kind yeah. of a dirty trick. So it's kind of the, uh, the antithesis of that concept of like, sometimes they're just going to think it's someone and there's nothing wrong with readjusting like, hey, you know what? There is enough evidence leading up to this. Maybe it would be fun if that it was that person and they were, they were correct. Or, you know, or let them f- up and, you know, terrorize the wrong person yeah. and, and learn a lesson. So there is a... Um, Oh, it's a good adventure. This kid is a goddamn genius. Uh, shit, what's it called? Witchburner. It's an adventure called Witchburner, and the characters are sent in to identify the town witch. Yeah. And man, oh man, if you want to do, if you want to see an adventure written for this kind of concept, wow, perfect. That kid is amazing. His artwork is just postmodern weird enough where it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Witch Burner. Uh, I think you can download download it for free for the art free edition or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's a solid adventure of characters going in and thinking they understand what's happening and having to put clues together based on hearsay and scant evidence mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and shit decision making based on poor roles. <laughs> oh, fun. Yeah, I, I, I might actually run it for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that would be fun. You, you can guarantee the will have shit rolls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Um, like, when you were talking, I was even thinking, um, one, like, with, especially monsters where you don't really get to see them for almost, the, like, the entire game, I think you really gotta play mostly onto the mystery in order to try and give them almost that surrealness. But also, in the action, you have to really figure out how you could portray the actions past the actual actions that happen. So they they got to pick up the clues from it in order to make those monsters seem alive. Either it's like you, you actually did this in that in uh, in that dungeon world game with the, the gutted sheep where, yeah. and even the ones that were up like for sacrifice and you did that, you use those guys in order to try and push part of the mystery that we weren't, we didn't see yet so we know okay there's something going on and first we saw the gutted sheep and we're like oh it could be a monster but they're talking about a witch and <laughs> you mean the missing girls <laughs> oh yeah yeah. Missing yeah. Girls. yeah 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 that was <laughs> that, that might be the angriest yeah. i've ever heard finder's voice yeah <laughs> little revelation come to pass yeah <laughs> yeah or no it was uh, the missing kids wasn't it well, it said youths, I believe, right? You guys were telling yeah. missing youths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it was missing missing youths. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, was, that was pretty damn funny. I think we all got a good <laughs> yeah. laugh from that one. I, all I can say is that Farmer is Lucky 
he didn't get her sword run through Oh, he was just like, what are you talking about? This is what we got you here for. And the paladin was just having Ugh. none of it the whole time. <laughs> the edge in your voice was worth every <laughs> moment oh, of yeah. being irritating the shit out of you guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and even even just like, like your paladin had that aversion from dirt. And it just seemed like every single opportunity out of every character, you're the one who got the dirtiest from swimming around in a pool of fetid water to having <laughs> cats and foxes run over you with dirty paws like now I, I will say though to come back to the question mm -hmm. that i think is how you also make the monster though right you, you need to get the characters somehow emotionally invested yeah because if they're not i mean already especially with D, &D they're probably somewhat superhero-ish and if you go into this random town and there's some killer in the random town that these players have no connection to the horror is lost on them because just like when david bowie dies oh yeah that's too bad i i personally don't understand all the people like oh the world's ending the the music world's never going to be the same david bowie died i have no emotional connection to david bowie am i sad as a human that he's passed sure but I'm really sad when my mom dies yeah. or when my friend dies, y you know? And so if you want to get that sort of villain-esque emotion, those players need to know somebody in that town. And hopefully if you've had the time to set it up beforehand, it's an NPC that they know, that they've interacted with, they've developed a relationship with, and you kill that NPC. And yeah. now it becomes personal for that for that party they need to find that person they need to find that killer and deal with it because they have taken a loved one from that from those players and so that to me is part of it is if you really want to get that emotional connection there needs to be a personal stake in the game for the for the characters yeah definitely true i feel like there was that actually occurred in uh, our first game together with uh, uh, oh, with the little dwarf, which oh, yeah. back to back to our I think yeah. I think our first episode where we talked about it, where he ends up having our favorite little, sorry, not dwarf gnome, gnome, the little yeah. gnome, yeah. gutted before <laughs> our eyes, before they all got away. But, but well, you know, I think I, I, that wouldn't have been as effective if we hadn't had the first campaign, right? Where it's true, we'd yeah. gone through this entire gauntlet <laughs> of things to rescue her, uh, to rescue her. Yeah, we get her back, and then the first thing that we see is, oh, she's eviscerated. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> it was like we just played the intro mission, and yeah, that, that mission was just like it was just a setup to lead it to other yeah. things. Yeah, but but that but that second campaign wouldn't have been nearly as effective if we hadn't had that first campaign because it would have been a throwaway character that we're told we have this emotional connection with, and yeah. and we're smart enough that we can get into that. Like, okay, yeah, that's yeah. great. But having gone through those interludes in the first campaign where we get to see her and we interact with her, um, leading up to us rescuing her from this horrible living spell thing, um, all of that just really underscored the horror of that, of that moment when yeah. we uh, started that next campaign. Yeah. And even speaking of that first campaign... The fact that you created a monster that and gave us all the warnings that was like, 
you're probably not going to beat this. And we ran because we knew that we had no chance and we got what we needed. Like the living spell is no joke. Like I, yeah, no. I, I think it almost took Finder, uh, yeah. Finder's character. Yeah, this is brutal. Yeah. Well, the thing that's funny about that though is you think about we are now the monsters to that civilization, right? Because oh, yeah, that entire right. tribe, they were completely they were they were living their lives. There was no problems for them until we show up. We show up. We release this living spell thing. We take uh something that they had to, to save their village and we basically left them on their own like you deal with your problem we're get, we're out of here we got what we want so it's like yeah. th- that that to me is like a lot of fun when who's the monster am i the monster it's like that uh, I, I i've seen this youtube clip all over the the not recently and i don't know why it's just kind of weird but it's like um, I want to say it's like a, a cracked or a college humor. Are we the bad guys? Like two Nazis talking to each other. Are yeah, we the bad baddies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, are we the, the baddies? Because the, yeah, the full clip is amazing because they start talking about their uniform and the death's head skulls and shit. And yeah. Just like, yeah. <laughs> are we the bad guys? Yeah, no, I, I, I saw the... From Mitch and Webb. What's the name of the two guys? I think they actually have a few more things on it too. It's all old now. It's like 11 years, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sad that you say 11 years is old, and I'm like, man, it feels like yesterday when I saw it for the first time. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, well, you got 11 years from now in internet time. That might as well be 100 years. <laughs> <laughs> the internet's measured in dog years. Oh God, it's more than dog years. Like, I'll I'll put out like a tweet, and it's like. I'll then go to like one of the tags and I'm like, oh, there's already like 20 ahead of me. And I posted it two minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Things move fast on the internet. Um, so I don't think we've been ranty enough. So let's talk about what's your most hated monster. Just like a creature that you okay. just absolutely cannot stand. I, I can't remember their names, but there's a whole series of these Gia... Uh, what do you call them? Oh, crap. Ge- geographic, not geographic. Um, National Geographic. Ah, no, they're like what? triangles, triangles, circles, cubes. Oh, the Modrons. Yes, thank the you. Modrons. Those things. The no, monsters. The Modrons. I, I, they annoy the crap out of me. They are the stupidest yeah. monster, and I'm like, ah. Yeah. Uh, and, and then the other, the other one that annoys me is like almost an entire book. The Fiend Folio from First Edition D and D had like two or three cool monsters and the rest of them were like seriously i spent this much money on this yeah, <laughs> yeah so I, I sometimes shit. feel like i am the fiend folio because i can't come up with really good monsters usually oh. which is well, why see? i steal them from other people <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that that's how the entire some of the osr functions so you're fine <laughs> Oh, it's like every, everything now is like you'll never make up anything. Like if anyone's like, oh, but that's not a unique enough idea. It's like everything's been done. Now we're just really kind of mashing things together to create really kind of new new genre settings just based off of things that we already know. It's impossible to think of something brand spanking new nowadays. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you just reskin a lot of stuff. I mean, there's you can get creative and clever, but I mean, yeah. Sometimes a blink dog is just a blink dog, even if you make it evil. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know? I don't know, man. 
Uh, so what about you, Scott? You got any uh, hated monsters? Oh, man. I'm trying to think of this, like, shit. I, yeah, like, I won't use some of the more just stupid shit, like growls and shit like that. I just could not care less for some of these monsters. From old school D&D, I think they're just dumb. Big f- brain with a beak and tentacles. Awesome. Who cares? I think there's yeah. anything else. There's nothing really bothers me, though. I mean, everything has potential. But yeah, there are some that I'm just like... They're eye roll. Like, like you said with the fiend fall, you just eye roll your way through. Like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I just, <laughs> I, I hate zombies. I think they're the dumbest creatures on the planet. And I don't and know why so, people still make movies even about it or videos. Some, some of my friends have an entire product line for Savage Worlds on zombie apocalypse. Uh, and it, it sells very well still. Too much to be fair, their game is brutal. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. It ain't the savage world you think it is. It's it's it's, it's some dark topic shit. Oh, nice. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's just like zombies in general for me. They just yeah. like every time they just seems. And I know we're talking about monsters here, but it just seems so unrealistic because even like in cinema and all that stuff, it's like, oh my god, the zombie plague! It's taking over everything. Even the dumb Walking Dead show. Like, oh my god, they destroyed the government. It's like, really? The government didn't realize that they use fences and then just take a mass amount of bullets and shoot into the zombies, clearing off 90% of their heads or making them essentially immobile completely? Like, I, I don't I don't understand why people think that zombies would take over the world. Yeah, because you need to watch 2004 Dawn of the Dead with the fast zombies and the virus spreads <sighs> too quickly. The- that's not. Those aren't zombies, though. Those are just virus infected. They call them zombies, but they're not. They're not. Yeah, they're... Dawn of the Dead was zombies. The, the virus infected ones. Yeah. No, they're infected by a virus. Yeah, they it's got bit zombies. by. Yeah, but they die and they raise from the dead. Mm, are they really dead? Is it, or yeah. is it more like that? I am legend bullshit. No, uh, no, those are vampires. You got to read the short story. Come on. Oh yeah, it's, I didn't know it was actually. A short yeah, story. yeah, it's like a. Uh, awesome, yeah. Yeah, it's like a one one page short story. <laughs> oh wow, and they turned it into an entire movie. <laughs> yeah, I, it, wow. it was it was longer than that. I mean, it was, was a, it? it was a it was a tr- yeah yeah it was several. I mean, it was it's not huge. I think it's like less than twenty, but yeah, it's really small. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Zombie zombies also got overplayed. Like oh god, that's I was worried about the dudes when they launched their 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 um, their product line because I was like, even they said it's like fuck man, this has played itself out, you know. But no, apparently it hasn't. I'm glad. I'm glad for them. They're doing well. So, oh yeah, like yeah, if people, people love like zombies, about them, that's totally fine with me. Like if you guys like zombies, that's totally fine. I just I don't know. It, they... It's guilt-free it, murder, is what it is. Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> Although I will tell you, for me, it's not so much the zombie that I like. Like uh, when I was watching The Walking Dead, what kept me watching was the human aspect. Like yeah. what are these humans going to do? Yep. And after you watched a few seasons and you saw the, the formula they're using and it got old and, and tired at that point. Yeah. But I, I, I think that there's a lot of potential to explore how far are you willing to go um, as a human? Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the zombies bring it out, which I think was that that's the interesting part for me for zombies, the, the monsters themselves. Eh. It could be anything. Yeah, because the zombies oh, yeah, are a yeah, manifestation yeah. of nature, right? Death. That's yeah. all it is. It's yeah. how desperate are you? Which is a lot of fun. Like if if you read the book The Road by uh, oh, oh what's his name? god, oh yeah, what the fuck? God, I feel bad. That is a great book. 
you, there's no punctuation in that book. That's amazing. You know, it's just this one long ramble, and it's so well, sad. That's, that's how he writes. Yeah, that's how he just, writes. All, all of his books are that way. So depressing. You read No Country for Old Men, and it's phenomenal. Yeah. But it's same same yeah. sort of style. But but yeah, the yeah. road is is a depressing look at humanity and yeah what we become when when times are desperate oh yeah when the chips are down that's why i try to explain to people who i know in real life and they're kind of like you know from all all the full spectrum right is kind of all giddy about the potential end of of civilization and shit i'm like none of you motherfuckers understand what what will happen to you you will (laughs) not be the ones in charge you will be the rate. You will be the cannibal slaves of the rape cannibal people who come because <laughs> you all have morals and ethics that you want think you're going to hold up high, and that's going to get you f- murdered in about thirty five seconds. Yeah, well, it's like that old Dead Kennedy song. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, will the rednecks run the neighborhood? It's like, <laughs> I mean, right? Yeah, it's just your your people are ill conceived. But that's the you know. Again, yeah, so I, I understand the zombie thing, but I mean, yeah, I think if you played it out, there's a movie called Stakeland, and uh, I watched it with my wife because I had to watch it again. She'd never seen it. It's about vampires, but again, it's got like a cool cult that worships vampires as the one true gods on earth and shit like that, and they're horrific people. I mean, they pick up a fucking, the hero, the protagonist, pick up a, a nun who had been brutalized by this cult. Right, and so it's that level of depravity and like where they're willing to go and what they hold up higher in regard than themselves. It's crazy. Yeah. What shows this one? Stake Land, as in you stake a vampire. Yeah, Stake Land. Okay. Yeah, there's. I think there's a second one, but I don't think I. Did we watch that one? I know I've watched the first one. I forgot that. Yeah. But my wife's into. It's not bad. My wife's into vampires and shit, so I'll. Yeah. I'll. I'll condescend to watch something stupid like vampires i guess that may be a, that might be a monster i don't like or vampires <laughs> <laughs> now i think about it they are the yeah. dumbest shit on earth well there was one movie i forget what it was called but it was one where essentially vampires have already taken over the earth but now their blood supply is running up Oh yeah, that yeah, yeah that was a good one uh it wasn't that bad, was a actually. good one it turned it on its, on its head yeah, God, man, I don't remember the name of that movie either. But yeah, we watched that. It wasn't bad because yeah, it's, you know the synthetic blood and all that shit. So, Daybreakers. Daybreakers, yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah. It's on Prime. I get to watch it. Yay. Okay, I might watch go. that one again because that one was actually really good because they even showed them kind of going, um, like when they weren't able to get blood, they eventually like started to kind of go crazy themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And worldwide blood shortages. Yeah, that was a. That was a really good one. Yeah, see, it's fun shit. Maybe you need intelligent zombies, like a zombie king and shit like that from D&D. That style, you have intelligent undead. They're not yeah. just... What was uh, the last George Romero, right? They had some smart zombies. They were using guns and shit. Oh, really? Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'd think, like, in that case, like, if they were using guns, you'd think there'd be, like, a necromancer or something behind them. And I think maybe is it is, like, if you're going to have a good... If zombies in your game, like... Have a good necromancer controlling them. Like I think that would really liven them up, maybe a little bit more. Yeah, of course. No pun intended. Nah. <laughs> so before this episode, I actually asked Scott and Finder to create a monster of their choosing. Uh, we're not going to tackle direct stats, but more of just what you could do with the monster, what to use. 
just to show like you know that you can really do whatever the hell you want and you can go monsters but also villains anything like that are allowed in this question so mr finder what kind of uh horrors have you created from deep inside that disturbing mind of yours <laughs> like i said i'm more of a fiend folio kind of guy where Ninety percent of it's crap. No, no. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a square dude, a triangle dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the scariest thing I can come up with. Uh, no, the the one that kind of stands out for me uh, that I have used in an actual game was based off of the guy, the mascot for the or for Disturbed, um, yeah. where. He he was almost a mixture between him and I guess uh, Ghost Rider because he had these chain whips that were barbed, and if they hit you, not only did they do damage, but they caused psychic trauma and dredged up all the horrible things that that uh, the characters had done and made them relive some of their worst moments, um, which was kind of fun to to watch as the players become demoralized. When they get in, but, <laughs> but uh, we killed but yeah. that monster. Oh yeah, but you, you also completely destroyed the ta- the neighboring town in the process. Like exactly, <laughs> you saved the princess. She's a paraplegic now. Like what yeah. the hell? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> first off, there you got to be very specific in your contractual obligations, and two, everyone likes omelets. You got to break a few eggs. <laughs> oh that's awesome uh, uh what about uh what about you scott what's your kind of favorite monster that you've ever, ever created or one that you may have recently created oh so i have one called the veil hunter and uh um i'll just real quick so so it's uh it's a creature that elves don't like talking about and almost every elf adamantly denies that they even exist. Uh, but the truth is, is that there are elves who give their souls, right, full-bodied into essentially darkness, right, fast evil. And when they do that, they are split between the three worlds. And when they're brought back together, they rise as Veil Hunters. Uh, so the Veil Hunter is normally invisible. Uh, however, mm-hmm. when it does become visible... It is covered in uh, scars across its flesh that are arcane symbols that power what it does. And it's just this real sickly, uh, real super sickly gaunt elf, just very pale, elongated limbs, fingers, toes, the ears are elongated, uh, nose, even the teeth are a little elongated. Uh, and then, yeah, it just uh, it comes at you and it will keep coming at you. And basically, once it gets, if it gets a, a, a swing on you, and make contact, it can track you across the across the planes, essentially until it finds you and deals with you. And then, in, you know, it also is able to step between realities. And so you might be fighting it in front of you, and then you'll be fighting it in a different time frame uh, or angle than you were used to on the next round. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah, especially like playing with even the locations of where the person's at and all that. It really kind of just makes people kind of almost question reality at the same time, or you know, the game's reality. Yeah, yeah. What do you got? Okay, this one I actually came up with at work at my like day job with a buddy of mine who he he used to play D and D back in second edition, 
but we were talking about dire wolves and then he brought up was like how come dire wolves are the only ones that are allowed to be emotional and so we started spitballing and i came up with something that i called the morose koala <laughs> <laughs> and essentially like the I, I created this ecosystem around it in order order for it to make sense but imagine like your adventures and there's like this forest that all the locals say don't go in there don't go in there when you go in there you're walking around and let's say the ranger with high perception is like okay you want to just do a spot check to see and he's like okay rolls perception he gets high perception and he notices a koala in the distance all of a sudden that koala makes eye contact with him then all of a sudden the koala teleports away and then the ranger feels sort of depressed and then he'll be looking around for it again because like, what the hap- what the hell is that and he sees that koala again over in the right this time and he makes contact and he becomes a little bit more depressed and essentially each time it will be harder and harder to not become more and more depressed until your character literally just lays down and accepts fate for whatever it is uh <laughs> so eventually Damn. like uh it, it would actually kind of uh penalize uh people with high perception for actually looking so it may force the people with less perception to go but like you'd uh the whole like the whole forest or jungle because i guess their claws would be built around all these eyeless creatures that have kind of evolved to survive off of like to scavenge essentially other creatures with sight or humans that go in there who just become so depressed that they give up on living and then the scavengers would come in and eat the people or eat the creatures so i created this whole ecosystem around that and the reason why people kept on going in is because okay but there's this really valuable like mine at the other side where you make a bunch of money so i was trying to say like okay you can you can, people still are trying to go over there but some might just become so depressed that they lay down and die damn yeah jesus christ yeah it was not like meant to be like a main character it could have been easily avoided by hiring a guide who knows the jungle and just like you know putting their head downs but if they didn't think of that then it would just be like oh high perception people are just getting super depressed here it's like oh the low perception people well it's okay i don't see anything yet as as they just walk through it would be fine because it would screw up like you know usually even especially like power gamers oh yeah or uh (laughs) and it kind of turns the whole high perception thing on its head where or high stat thing on its head where all of a sudden it's not as good it's not that good to actually have a high score in this stat yeah jesus man (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't i don't know if uh would you ever use a monster like that scott i mean it could be yeah there's a lot of potential for stuff like that especially because it's it's um it's deceptive and i like deceptive Or you could make it really super deceptive. And, oh, there's so much you can do with something like that, actually. Yeah, and I even thought it's just like, it's easy to kill if you get your hands on it. It's just, just don't look into its sad little eyes. Right, yeah. Because, uh, <laughs> I mean, if you had like a witch, right? She just had one, and she was your villainess, and you didn't know it. And I mean, there's so many ways you could go with that, where it just essentially just traps you because you don't know any better. <laughs> Oh yeah, which oh, that? that would be hilarious. I mean, Especially yeah, just any, yeah, yeah. You could have a lot of fun and potential with that one. Oh, man, God, yeah, yeah, so so simple, but yeah, so a lot of opportunities. And you also, I think, you named the saddest monster of uh 
of all the like the worst monster of all not not your not your koala thing but the 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 most vile monster you said it near the end the munchkin the munchkin the, f- <laughs> the power f- gamer the, f- the f- power gamer is the oh, worst monster of all time yeah yeah i know it's just optimization trying to play my role yeah, it's just spiking <laughs> spiking the difficulty for everyone else just to give yeah. the Power Gamer a challenge or making it so that nobody gets a chance because the Power Gamer can just crush through yeah. everything. The bitch you want to win Dungeons & Dragons like you win Monopoly. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I Again, I feel I'm kind of lucky I've never rat- played with any real Power Gamers. I've talked to people who are Power Gamers, but I've never played with them. I have, and I just kill their characters. <laughs> was, was it out loud? Um, as long as you do it from the roll of the dice. I do the roll of the dice. Yeah. In that not case, my, all, all spare. <laughs> not my fault the extras only target you. <laughs> they, no, I'm not at the biggest threat. No, I'm not that big of a dick. Although I will, I do teach lessons to people about you know it's just a game. I be, I become the monster that you that you. <laughs> I'm not the monster you want. I'm the monster you need. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yep. You, you, you need me to reinforce it spending hours on creating the, the perfect flow of feats. It's stupid. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much like the Batman of tabletop now. Yeah. Just play a character. Pick one. <laughs> Don't make me write one for you. That I am to that point where I'm like, man, I'd almost rather just give out pregens because <laughs> I know what to expect at that point. Be like, here's your pregen. Just, that's why I like con so much. Is like, stop. Just here's your pregen. <laughs> I'll leave room for a few choices, but man, I actually got told that on the last con I did when I went to the Neon Blood, I left out like uh, the four or five focus points where you could put the plus one into any skills you wanted. Yeah, and some of the folks are like, "Yeah, you probably shouldn't have done that. It just takes too much time for us because we don't know understand what we're looking at." And I'm like, "It's a list of, it's a list of skills, bitch. And it's a, it's, it's a D20, and I tell you to add plus one to something. I'm not a mathlete, but man, I can do this quickly in my head." I think that also and, comes back down to like you know not not the like the power like not power gaming, but it's almost like that kind of meta creep where yeah. Where people just kind of, they want to know what they did, like w- what they should most likely put it into. Like if you look yeah. on Five E, how many guys there is towards Jeez, optimizing God. your best character. Even like Pathfinder has that. I haven't ever looked at one for Savage Worlds, but I'm pretty sure you could probably find one or two of those ones easy. Yeah, people try. There's a few that yeah, kind of go all the way to optimize. But the problem with Savage Worlds is so swingy that you're never guaranteed that that shit's going to work. No. Yeah. You know, all it takes is one shit roll and you're just done. You know, yeah. and then like third edition had, a, I forgot the name of the character, but it was a kobold sorcerer level one. And it was probably the most powerful creature in the universe. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. This, you know, a munchkin went through and made this character to prove like how broken the system is. And it's a level one kobold sorcerer. And I wish I could remember the name of the character, but it was just outrageously powerful. Yeah, that's so. bad if you could break it in uh, level one. This is all not about monsters anymore. It's just random shit now. It's just people <laughs> ask me about the high high target numbers in Neon Blood, and it's like, yeah, 16 seems high if you're playing Dungeons & Dragons, but if I give you a game where your average attribute is probably a plus two, you roll a D4, which an average is a plus two, 
So that's a plus four off the bat. And then you're going to have cyberware of a plus one at least, right? Most people are going to go for the plus two if they can. And then you're going to have gear that's going to give you a plus one. And then you're going to have some other shit that's going to give you a thing. And I'm just like, get the out of here, 16's too high. You have bad dice rolls and you suck balls at planning. Because, like, it's just it's the little things. Like, yeah, I was um, I was doing the, the pros intro for uh, a Savage Worlds product I'm working on through and made it as realistic as possible so the characters had taken cover and when you really start looking at the cover rules because most gunfights in savage worlds and i know finder knows this he plays more than i do but most of the gunfights in savage world tend to be like target number four i roll it i shoot there's no cover there's no thing else in the way just you we die and we're shooting each other at seven feet and then when you really get into it i had like this it was a short range gunfight but it was like oh man this dude has cover behind a wall that's like a and, you know, really, it's a negative eight to the shooting roll and then plus six armor. Yep. Yeah, right? It's like you can pop out of cover, pop into cover. I'm like, that gunfight became much more of a different monster when you actually are typing out a narrative uh, for a set of rules like that. And that's how I did uh, Neon Blood is when you look at it, you don't understand what you goes into designing a game. But I'm like, I have to design a game where all of these things matter. Like, all attributes matter. There's not a, there's not a single attribute in OSNR or neon blood that you can just say it, i'm gonna burn this um and i still and i don't believe there's one like that in savage worlds either i know people say um spirit is like that but that's just that's crazy talk <laughs> that might be one yeah. of the most powerful attributes in the game <laughs> uh, yeah, well if i were to if i were to have a dump stat in savage worlds it'd be smarts yeah, and see, and to me, that's like until crazy. you get tested. Yeah, yeah. Until you, until you have somebody that comes along and tries to taunt you. Right. Then, yeah. Then you're like, man, I should put more into, into smarts. Yeah, this is crazy. So, all right, you have to cut all this out so you can get this podcast about oh, monsters out. Hell no, that's man. Fine. This is, this, it, as, as long as we're having fun, I don't care. I hope you guys like what we're talking about because <laughs> it, it, it's entertaining to me, and I think that's in the end of it. If I'm having fun. I'm assuming you guys are all having fun too. So listen to two. Old... And if you're not, screw you. Yeah, yeah. this might this this might just uh, it went... attention RP people. This this episode has gone from uh one about monsters to us just talking shit about a lot of things, and it's a lot of fun. I hope you guys are enjoying. What just bleeds into this might monsters, right? Even your low yeah. level um man, I almost blended two words in a most horrific fashion because the Savage World's changing the name of shit. <laughs> monsters in savage worlds are still monsters and like i said like that the narrative i wrote most people would have just had the the so it was like um it was opposing forces to the heroes and most people just had them just they pull up and they get out of their vehicle and they just stand there i'm like no they're trained they're trained they might be you know uh man i can't stop doing that they might be extras but they're still going to use their car doors for cover, which is still like a negative four and a plus four, right? Yeah. In Savage Worlds. Um, I might be off on those, but that sounds about right for the level of cover and then the, the armor provided by that shit. And it's like, I mean, that might be the best monster you can have is to actually make them fight. Nothing wants to die. Even my German Shepherd is as angry as she can get and as tough as she can get and sound. If I stand up to my full height and I come at her, she doesn't understand if we're no longer playing, right? She gets scared and will run. And you can do that to other animals. Even bears can be scared off. 
right? I know we all saw the monster where the bear beat the dog piss out of Leonardo DiCaprio and all that bullshit. It happens, yes. They do murder people, but you can't scare animals off. And so no creature wants to die. No kobold, no goblins. They don't want to die. They're not mindless creatures. I know Lord of the Rings made the orcs seem all... They're just going to fucking march into the goddamn wood chipper of Gondor and shit. But, um, you know, they're still intelligent beings, and they still have to have a... That means you have a concept of... You know, I'm in trouble, I'm in pain, and at the higher levels of, of function of intelligence and um, abstract thought, you understand that there, there could be uh, a death and a finalization to yourself. So, I mean, that might be the best monsters, to just, just play the f- monsters that they don't well, want to die. <laughs> even if you think, like, because you're talking about all that, like, you mentioned bears, but, like, grizzly bears will hunt you. Like, legitimately yeah. hunt you and wait until you're vulnerable. That's why... Yep. Like, I don't, if anyone has been ever in grizzly country, like, you don't leave your rifle in the car. You always have that on your back in grizzly like country, like, because they'll wait you out. I just identify as giving the grizzlies flowers and fresh water from my hands, and they'll leave me alone. Um, <laughs> maybe once they're done eating your hands, but <laughs> but like grit, grit, like black bears, okay. I've been around yeah. black bears a lot. Yeah. Most of the time, if you leave them alone, they'll leave you alone. They don't want anything to do with you. Um, yeah. And and if their cubs are around, just just don't do anything. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, those are the weird times, right? Yeah. And so think about that. Everyone likes to have the like. Are we going to kill the orc children? First off, let's use those children as the motivating factor for that orc tribe wanting to murder you and not, yeah. you know, and really, really do some significant damage to you, to to deviate you and to lure you away from that lair and all that shit. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, you're not wrong. It's just I don't know. Uh, anyways, RP people, I think that's all the time we've had for today. I hope you guys had fun because, well, I did. Um, although we didn't talk too, too much about it. What kind of monsters, uh, do you guys like running in your campaign? Uh, you can message us on Twitter at RP smart people. Our podcast can be listened to now on Spotify, Google podcasts, Podbean, Amazon, um, pretty much wherever you usually listen to podcasts, uh, you can find us on there. Uh, thanks again, and I'll see you next time for another episode of Role Playing as Smart People. Fuck, Traveler. <laughs> <laughs>